Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, May 9th, Monday, uh, day 15 of the Exploratory uh, Committee for Mayor. Uh, important election news. Um, Lancaster Election Office needs more poll workers, volunteer workers. Um, if you can give them a call um, at 6 a.m. tomorrow, 402-441-7311, or email Scott at um, S. Bastin, B-A-S-T-I-N, at LancasterNE.gov. That would help them out. Same thing with Sarpy County Election Commission, 402-593-2167. I guess some folks couldn't make it, so those two counties, our county and Sarpy, are a little short. So let's get out there and help, folks. Uh, Oh, where to begin, where to begin? Um, Let's just get right to Secretary of State Bob Evden. And his uh, last little time on DTL before the primary welcome. Uh, good to be with you, Jack. You know, uh, this is a great opportunity for people to serve as poll workers. If you want to see the process of our elections uh, up close, go be a poll worker. It is an enormously uh, instructive thing to do. And it's very helpful for your community. It's a way to give back. So... Um, uh, I would encourage people to volunteer and go down and be a poll worker. It's very rewarding, uh, and you'll learn a lot about the process of our elections. Um, I'll second that. I actually have thought about it, and now it's on my bucket list to do because um, I was thinking about service and how many Americans – and it's okay. Don't volunteer to do something, you know, or just Americans. Um, but it's, it's a small way, I think, that every American can participate and serve our community, even if it's only for that day, and probably one of the easiest to serve. Well, we also like to see a generational transfer, uh, which is one of the things that happened in 2020. Uh, with COVID, there were a lot of poll workers, you, you know, in May of 2020 in our primary election. We were in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, we didn't understand COVID very well. People seemed to be getting very sick from it. People were dying from it. There were no therapies that were really understood. There was no vaccine. And so there were a lot of people who had served as poll workers who were older, uh, who, who just decided they were going to sit it out this time. And we went out and uh, advertised. We marketed for poll workers, help your community, just exactly what you just said. And what we were what we were looking for, and what actually happened there was, we got a little bit of a of a generational transition. So we get younger people in there volunteering uh, to work at the polls, and that was uh, that was a, a and a, just a beneficial side effect of all of this uh, uh, was getting new people involved in it. Yeah, and I think. Um one it's something that we do need to generationally pass down and obviously uh, a lot of fanfare i was thinking back that kind of election integrity may have at least in my generation went all the way back to bush gore and it kind of started but it certainly reached a fever pitch in 2020 and this weekend we talked about it off air 2000 mules came out i encourage anybody to see that Really, that's talking about ballot harvesting and really ballot trafficking. And then, as you know, audience, I've talked about Zuckerbucks um, around the country. 
this has created a big fervor, and I know, um, you know, as the sitting Secretary of State, um, you've had to uh, talk about this, you've had to look into this, um, but 2,000 Mules just came out, but at the same time, you have worked with the legislation on several initiatives around Zuckerbucks. Well, I've worked on legislation also around ballot harvesting and uh, the ballot collection boxes. Uh I have a great deal of respect for Dinesh D'Souza. I have been following Dinesh D'Souza for at least 20 years. Uh, when he spoke, he spoke at a large Republican gathering, dinner uh, gathering, I think last fall in Kearney, and I had the opportunity to introduce him. Uh, he has produced a, a really compelling documentary here with 2,000 Mules, and it illustrates uh, how our elections can be corrupted through the use of ballot harvesting and through these uh, through these collection boxes, uh, I I recognize these as uh, problems. It's a sad thing, really. The ballot collection boxes were put in place in our state primarily related to uh, COVID and the pandemic and the and the May 2020 primary. The boxes themselves are benign; they're just boxes, but they can be abused. They can be used for abusive purposes, and it's a shame because there are people who drop their ballots off, legitimate voters who are dropping off legitimate ballots in these boxes. But now they're being hijacked. And that film, uh, the documentary that D'Souza uh, produced, illustrates it. So now we have to do something. We're trying to do some things, uh, again, trying to stay ahead of the curve. And uh, we were. I, I asked to have legislation drafted, uh, and it was drafted and, and offered and passed and signed into law that secures, further secures these ballot collection boxes. <clears throat> I also asked to have legislation drafted, and it was, uh, to prohibit ballot harvesting. Make it a felony. Make it a felony. A crime. Felonies are serious. We couldn't get that past the finish line, but I'm not done working on that. We have to address that. Now, I think to maybe the audience, and correct me if I'm wrong, ballot harvesting folks, there are some uh, ways to do that, meaning to carry a ballot for someone that's ill or a family member. There's a legal left and right limit on that. Uh, harvesting as a definition, if you're just collecting them, say, at a nonprofit, you know, 200, 300, now that is harvesting. And then D'Souza, 2000 Mules, was also showing trafficking right. of um, and so it's good to know that we focused on he focused on on swing states. He focused on states where this was happening in a big way. <clears throat> I don't have an indication that it was happening in a big way in Nebraska, but I don't want it to. Sure. And so uh, for that reason, we just we have to get it. In my view, we have to address it. And uh, that means addressing it with the, the boxes themselves. And yes, uh, in the legislation that I proposed, if you want to take a couple of ballots in for a family member, you can do that. But what you can't do is take in hordes of ballots and go dump them in the dead of night. Right. That you can't do, and that's something, th the ability to do that is what draws manipulation. It, was, it draws corruption. Um, it, it isn't necessary uh, for people to vote, and it draws corruption. So that's what we have to address. Yeah, and I know... Uh, geez, it, I think it was early um, 
early in the year, I'm losing track of time, um, you had talked about on this show kind of a weak point potentially for nefarious actors in the ballot boxes and since then legislation voter id i want to be clear you're behind that yes i've supported voter id for years we can never get that past the unicameral this is why it's so important to focus on your legislative races because who sits in the unicameral has an enormous impact and obviously in the policies that become law in this state and it's never been more important than it is now it's always important but this is an area where where it's illustrated we could never get voter id past the finish line in the unicameral. So now there's a petition drive. And uh, uh, that petition drive, if it get, if it gathers enough signatures, valid signatures, then it has an opportunity to be placed on the ballot. The voters will have an opportunity to vote on it in November. I have no doubt that if voter ID is on the ballot, it will pass. It's very popular. You're told it's controversial. It's not. You're told that it suppresses votes. It does not. There's no evidence that it suppresses votes. There's plenty of evidence that it does not suppress votes. And here's something in Nebraska that we've looked into. I've I've had my office look into. 98% of Nebraskans who are eligible to register to vote already have state-issued photo IDs. We're talking about 2% of the population of the state that's eligible to register that doesn't already have state-issued photo IDs. That's a very manageable number, 2%. We can find those people, we can find what the roadblocks are, and we can move those roadblocks out of the way. So there isn't going to be any voter suppression from voter ID, and it will help us, again, further secure our elections. Um, one of the things, and I'll be honest. So I support it in case anybody yeah, um you, you've I guess come that's on this, obvious. Yeah, you've come on this show before and explained that again, folks. Um, we've got to get that. Petition, go out, sign it. It goes on the ballot. Uh, all numbers say that it will pass um, easily here in Nebraska for voter ID. Uh, one of the things, and it's really hard to, I think, at least for me, to wrap my head around because I've seen so many different things, is I'll call it electronic security of elections. And a lot of my listeners have questions, and um, and I can't pinpoint anything other than to say, I think in the future there will still be questions with regard to the electronic services we use and being able to go audit or check them as a secretary of state, how comfortable are you with the systems we use? Yeah, I'm comfortable with the systems we use, and it isn't because I'm just, I, I'm, it isn't because I'm not paying attention to them. L- let me go back to that in a second, but there's one other piece of legislation sure. that's important that what that was written at my request and then passed and signed by the governor and that is to eliminate zuckerbucks in our state that's right uh we no longer our county is going to be allowed to accept private money to pay for election operations in their counties so-called zuckerbucks and this was another corruption of our election processes in 2020 we're not going to and and lancaster county is the only county in the state that accepted it uh, the election commissioner, Dave Shively, did not want Zuckerbucks. He didn't ask for it. He told him uh, that he didn't need it, but the county board decided to accept it anyway. Uh, we, uh, This legislation will stop that. The legislation that was drafted at my request, it was passed by the legislature, it was signed by the governor. There's a lot of work involved in getting these policy initiatives turned into law. It doesn't just happen because you will it. It doesn't just happen because you wish it. It happens because there's a lot of hard work behind it, and uh, we were successful in getting that through and getting it passed. 
It's legislation that I asked to have drafted. As far as the electronics, um, I've heard so many things about the electronics, uh, and I've tried to run them to ground. I'll tell you, uh, for instance, for instance, we use we use election systems and software. Uh, that's that's our hardware and software supplier for for counting ballots, and um, so I I heard that. ESNS is owned by the Russians. This was a recurrent theme. It was being propagated through the state. It's owned by the Russians. And I thought, well, this is important to know. Who owns ESNS? So I ran that to ground. ESNS is owned by Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is a lifetime resident of Omaha, Nebraska. This company is headquartered in Omaha. Its major operations are in Omaha. Mike McCarthy of Omaha, Nebraska, lifelong resident, owns ESNS, and he is uh, an investor. <clears throat> excuse me, an investor in many businesses in the Omaha area. He owns eighty percent of it. The other twenty percent of ESNS is owned by its senior management. It is not owned by the Russians. So wh- when you, that's just an example of sure. one of the things that I ran down. It isn't like we didn't see the electronic issue coming. We specify all of our ballot counting equipment and all of our ballot compiling equipment to be not connected to the internet not able to be connected to the internet it's specified that way it's designed that way and it is uh it is built that way and it's certified that way we don't want this equipment connected to the internet um i don't see any evidence that our results were manipulated uh we put every single ballot uh counting piece of equipment in our state. Every single piece of ballot counting equipment in the state of Nebraska is tested three times before every election by running a stack of ballots through it to assure that it is counting those ballots correctly. We have two mock elections before every election in our state to make sure that all of the systems that we have along the way are are acting properly, are counting properly, are compiling properly, and are reporting properly. So, uh, it, and, and you know, I had somebody ask me the other day if if five states decertify the results of the presidential election, will you decertify the results in Nebraska? And I said, well, sir, Donald Trump won the state of Nebraska by 182,000 votes. Why would you want me to decertify that? And so there's, there's a lot of uh, energy and there's a lot of anger over what happened. And there are states where there were serious problems in the 2020 election. But I've looked through it. It isn't, I'm not saying it just because I'm Pollyannish. Sure. I'm look, I'm saying it because we've looked at things. We've run them to ground. We didn't have those problems in our state. We're on with, uh, Secretary of State Bob Evnen, also candidate, uh, Bob Evnen for Secretary of State. Uh, can you stay for the, uh, about five more minutes after this break? Sure. Okay. I'm going to ask you this question, then you can answer when we come back. One of the fervors I hear a lot is about CrowdStrike. It was involved in Russian collusion. I believe it's a third party software to ESNS providing cloud security. Um, and I'll ask you if you think CrowdStrike needs to be in there when we come back. 1499 3KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, uh, Secretary of State Bob Evnen, uh, last two minutes here um, before the primary. I asked about CrowdStrike and its affiliation. I know you've heard that from uh, folks that are really worried about election integrity. 
Um, do you see the ability to get rid of CrowdStrike uh, potentially or its um, its activity within ESNS or elections in our country or Nebraska? Yeah, there's there's uh, in the legislation that we got passed. There's a a, a a phrase in there that gives us a little bit better ability to go dive into this. Okay, uh, but I've already even before that I had been looking into it because I know that there have been concerns raised about CrowdStrike. First of all, ESNS doesn't use CrowdStrike, so that's number one. Okay. ESNS has no relationship with CrowdStrike and doesn't use it. Uh, the second is that it appears that Lancaster County uses CrowdStrike in some capacity or in some form, but it does not appear that CrowdStrike is being used at all in uh, in uh, Lancaster County's election operations. So I've... I've I've looked into this because I know there's concern about CrowdStrike, and so I decided, okay, let's take a look at who's doing what. That's what I found at this point. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, well, I have the a ability- question for you. Yes, if, sir. If you don't mind. Yes, sir. Uh, who's your producer today? Great one. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Cadillac is producing the show, and I am the noble steed, according to Alexis upstairs. Jack Riggins, the host of Drive Time Lincoln. Uh, Ten seconds. Nice to poten- work, Johnny. Uh, yeah, ten Thank seconds you. to potential voters out there. I I uh, I respectfully ask that uh, that our voters uh, go to the polls tomorrow. Get up and go to the polls, and vote for Bob Evnen for Secretary of State. Thank you for that. Thanks for coming on. We wish you the best of luck. John Glenn Weaver running for District One Congress uh, coming up next. Fourteen hundred ninety nine three KLIN. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Yeah, we're live here uh, with, well, who am I? I'm Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. Johnny's still producing the show, and we've got District 1 candidate for Congress, John Glenn Weaver, on a retired lieutenant colonel in the United States Air Force, so it's like a brother-in-arms in the studio, which makes me happy. Yeah, Welcome. Jack, thank you so much. It's great to it's great to meet another another veteran from, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for your service. I'm sure we met each other in either Iraq or Afghanistan, somewhere along the way. Well, we would have traded paint, aircraft, something. I mean, we've all done the same things over the years, and uh, it's always fun. And I'm actually excited because at some level I chose to get in the uh, conservative talk show business um, to help push uh, patriots and people that love the Constitution in our country. But you rolled right into from active duty to, hey, I'm going to run for Congress. Yeah, you know, so I mean, as so I So give me your background first cuz the audience would yeah, know you. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, 
Uh, Lieutenant Colonel John Glenn Weaver, uh, retired from the Air Force uh, three months ago. Before that, uh, 22 years active duty Air Force, 11 deployments, multiple combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, did the uh, the shock and awe campaign in uh, into Iraq in 2003. Grew up on a farm, uh, was homeschooled, studied animal science, majored in animal science, got a master's in econ, political outsider, a lot of time in the Pentagon, working in the intelligence community, CIA, DIA. Type Which, stuff. real quick, blows my mind that after being in the Pentagon, you're like, you know what? I'm going to run for Congress and go back to D.C. <laughs> well, I got a lot of exa- well, it's experience. Kidding. I wrote, wrote yeah. 70 war plans. And for a sure. lot of the war plans that are on the shelf, like I wrote with other joint planners, like sure. you know, O5s like yourself. So I know the business, and I was, I've been mentored by some of the, our great generals, General Petraeus, General Mattis, General McChrystal. I mean, people that I think are going to go down in history uh, as um, – you know, the Eisenhowers of mm-hmm. their time. And, and so those people have invested in me, and I, that's why I think I got the leadership and the knowledge and the skill and the drive and the focus to serve in the United States House of Representatives on the national stage. Have you found, um, I know we're, I mean, we have 20 minutes, but have you found it's difficult, or I should say this, I've, I have found it difficult to explain to everyday Nebraskans, Americans, the vast experience that we have as military officers from the tactical to the operational to the job we had to strategic level thinking and planning that we do. I I don't, I always feel like, do you feel like that? Or have you felt like you've been able to explain the expertise? Because that's what it is that you've acquired over 22 years of service and, and people understand it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, they gravitate to military service, gravitate to wanting to know about my military service, flying the RC-135, but it's a lot more than that. It's it's working in the Pentagon, writing the war plans. It's working at STRATCOM, understanding nuclear deterrence. I went to the war college. I went to the command and staff college, got a master's in that, and we studied wars from you know the south pacific and i can see how all that links to our withdrawal from afghanistan which got me in this race but you have to break it down to the common i would I, this morning i flew to all nine airports piloted myself to all nine airports within the first congressional district uh, to meet voters and i was in scribner you know guy was working on his his airplane and just talking to him about about my service and but you have to you have to kind of break it down right. into certain segments that people are most interested in and just sort yeah. of meet them where they are. Well, I think for Congress, um, having seen uh, senators that are I'm just going to say new and and no military experience and congressmen over the years with no, um, you have a huge leg up on experience and know how of not only American foreign policy but as you are learning Nebraska to represent Nebraskans. It's just. I'm glad more and more military vets are getting involved in politics. Exactly. I mean, and we only have 17 members of Congress, or 17% of Congress congressional members are veterans. So the folks, uh, John McCain, you know, Bush, Dole, all those folks have, have gone. And they came, when they came out of World War II and went into the Congress, they had instant credibility. When I go to Congress, like yourself, like all veterans, combat veterans, um, you know, Morgan Luttrell, when he gets there, we will have instant credibility we're not going to show up there um you know as a, as a career politician uh, with with no combat service i'm going there having served my country and everything that goes along with that to serve in the united states congress so now i go engage with senators like ted cruz and things that are extremely accomplished i'm going to have the respect and be able to fight for nebraskans on a national stage that i don't think any other candidate in this race can do
Sure, sure. Let me go back to what was the motivation, um, because it's a quick turnaround for you. Service, you know, to your country, to service of the people. Both are service to the people, mm-hmm. but running for Congress is to the people of Nebraska. Um, what was kind of your motivating factor, aha moment, where you said, you know, I've got to get involved? So, so the flashpoint for me was in August of, of 2021, last year, when President Biden haphazardly withdrew us from Afghanistan. I could talk about the tactical, the strategic mistake that that was. We don't have a long enough time here. But I saw myself sitting on the couch working. I was working at the Nuclear Command and Control Facility off it. We just won the best in the Air Force several years in a row. But I thought to myself, at 22 years, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it now. We have a president that's inept. And more importantly, we have a Congress that is not holding him accountable. We don't have lions and leaders in the Congress or enough of them leading that forward. So, you know, the, the withdrawal out and, and more importantly, we lost 13 beautiful, great Americans, one of which is from the first congressional district. And I said, if I don't do this, who else will do it? So that's why I kind of threw my hat in the ring, didn't throw my hat in the ring based on, you know, indictments or anything like that or opportunist political opportunities to do this. It was all about that. I mean, I, I served multiple uh, combat tours in Afghanistan. I was at the Kabul airport. If you want to do an evacuation out of Afghanistan, you do it from Bagram. I mean, I studied, you know, Guadalcanal. I studied, you know, uh, Solomon Islands, Iwo Jima. I mean, the monuments in there in Washington, D.C. I don't know why President Biden can just look at it and see so many Americans died. Bagram Air Base was a strategic hold that, that, that the United States had, and Biden decided just to give it back to the Afghans. Or, or give it back to the Taliban. And yeah. So, so those strategic blunders that, quite honestly, a, a you know an airman in the Air Force probably wouldn't make. We have the President of the United States making. I want to be the voice in Congress on the national stage that says this is not the way to do it, and hold him accountable. And then I want all all Nebraskans will be able to see my leadership on the national stage and say that guy is fighting for Nebraska like Jim Jordan is fighting for Ohio. Yeah, I think uh, we're at that inflection point where what we need in D.C. is fighters. And, folks, if you go back through our history, we've never had um, essentially – we've never had a D.C. with less military experience in all levels than we have currently. And that's, to me, not to say military people are great. It's just to say there is an experience, there is a knowledge um, that throughout our history – an understanding of how things get done and what the Constitution is that's good when military people transition into the political sector. Right. When we know we we if we don't know how if we don't know the answer, we know how to get to the answer. And we're we want to do what's right, not what's politically right for for our careers. And so, you know, going up there, I'm just going to absolutely fight for the people. I'm an expert on China. You know, we face in China with a very sophisticated and complex threat. Our policymakers don't fully understand that. And we're not, we, we haven't prepared ourselves for this type of multi-dimensional competition in China that I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the problem set. I flew RC-135s, the rivet joint, the Cobra Ball, you know, out, out in the Pacific theater, you know. Let, let me interrupt you real quick. Many of the listeners might not know what the rivet joint is. Can you give the unclassified ah, version? Yeah, the unclassified version. So, so backing up, sorry about that. Thank no, you, No, you're good. You're good. But I it's, mean, it's you the, know. The, the, the planes actually are, are at Offutt Air Force Base where I was stationed for 15 years. So the Sarpy County area is home to me, right? So those are the planes that are at the base. They're, they do ISR, intelligence collection, and they're deployed all over the world. They're, they're a high-value asset that there's only 
stationed at off at Air Force Base, which is another reason I. You almost slipped and gave the number, and you can't do that. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, we're we're talking shit. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a switch, but um, but yeah. So those are the 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 RC one thirty fives are the intelligence collection, and they're used to to at the at the national level to collect intelligence on various nations. Um, and so they're stationed at off at Air Force Base right now, Lincoln right now, and they're driving back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so as part of the 1st Congressional District, those planes, that base, STRATCOM, places that I've worked, people that I know, that I respect, that respect me, uh, are in my Congressional District. And unfortunately, with military, they can't come out and endorse people, but I've gotten a lot of calls from military friends, general officers from the Pentagon that said, you're doing the right thing, keep pressing forward, uh, we salute you, but, you know, be an active dude, they, they can't make that public. Sure. So, so back to China. I'm sorry. I just wanted listen. John Glenn Weaver is is not your average guy. That's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, the rivet joint is a national asset. There's only so many national assets in America. You could pretty much probably maybe on one one hand put your finger out. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, it is a major platform in the intelligence architecture that we need every single day. And obviously, I don't have to talk about the greatness of Offit. Um, but uh, it takes a special person and really special qualifications and trust to be part of yeah, exactly. the architecture so, you so, came up. In. Well, you know, if I had if I had my druthers, I'd be on the Ag Committee and and then on the National and and then on the House Armed Services Committee. Sure. And so when I walk into Stratcom, work with the generals, you know, work, you know, my bo- old boss KT at Off at Air Force Base. When I walk in there, I will know their mission and I will be able to advocate for their mission. Like nobody, well, I don't want to say nobody else, but but very well, anybody better than anybody in this race. Sure. And so I understand. I, I want to talk a little bit about Russia. So I fully understand the the Russia problem set as well. I speak Russian. I lived in Russia. I studied Russian. I majored in Russia. And so I understand what P- Putin's doing. I understand nuclear deterrence and what he's trying to do in Ukraine. And it just, you know, we need to restart strategic communications with China and Russia. We need to restart a, a U.S. information agency that Congress got rid of, that I, that I would bring back. I would work with my colleagues and say, this is something we did, like, you know, they did under Reagan and we did, we did, under, we did under Kennedy. And that's how we won the Cold War is by having these strategic communications that we're not doing right now. There's no strategic communication going on with Russia or China. We don't have cultural exchanges, you know. I lived in Moscow. I lived in St. Petersburg in the early 1990s. And uh, I remember selling my Levi blue, blue jeans in Moscow. So I understand Russia. I understand Putin. And I think I have the credibility to lead uh, in the national level and also advocate for uh, Nebraskans that I, that I don't believe anybody in this else in this race has. And I'm not in this race because of Representative Fortenberry's indictment. I want to continue my service to my country and my community. Uh, I'll expand off it. Establish a national voter ID. We need to build the wall. I mean, you and I both know mm-hmm. you would never go to Afghanistan and not have a perimeter around your base. I mean, it just, I mean, when I tell people, it just makes, I mean, I can't believe it's happening. So when I hit, when I get to DC, I'm going to hit the ground running because of my 22 years of experience. And it's because of this military and combat service and experience that I will have immediate credibility, I think, that I've talked about. Uh, but with respect to everybody else in the race, um, I'm not a career politician. I'm not an average lawyer. Lawyers are dime a dozen in D.C. I'm not a political opportunist that thought this office because of an indictment before a man was even proven guilty. So it questions me why somebody or people would get in this race before a man is even guilty. 
you know, I can't help but other congressional leaders will look at this, and I think it'll be difficult for others that have joined the race because of those reasons to lead and have credibility in Washington, D.C., and it concerns me, um, you know, that they alienated a Republican, Representative Fortenberry, uh, that they alienated an innocent incumbent so early on when they really didn't have to. As this thing played out, you really didn't have to. And as a planner in the military, you know this too, Jack. You you plan things and you let them roll out and you, you, you need to be, General McChrystal used the term courageous restraint, right? right. You want to sling lead to the other guy because he just blew up your fob. But if you do that, you have lost the narrative, you've killed a civilian, and then you have lost the war. He told me that all the time when I was working in ISAF Joint Command, yeah, you know, Major Weaver, this, you know, so in the books, and so, so that that's what I no, bring to the bring national security realm. You bring up a good realm. point. I mean, uh, listen, folks, there are going to be people national, um, other other uh, elected officials um, that are going to look at this, not just um, what um, John Glenn Weaver is bringing up, but to be honest, even in our governor primary, um, some of these things where we've just quickly gone to. Um, you know, you're guilty until proven innocent. That's not the system. And so you lose credibility, street cred, just in general. And again, um, nothing wrong with talking it through like you're doing and and providing thoughts. One thing I, I like is that uh, very rarely does a military guy know how to do what I call political speak. We, we call it like we see it, but we also get educated before we um, make a decision. Um, I'll tell you this. Oh, I gotta have fun real quick um, because I think I have it down from Hunt for Red October. You par Rusky? Is that how you say it? No, no. no you give it. You, say, do it. What do you want me to say? Uh, do, do I speak Russian? Tigavarish Paruski. Oh, see, not even close. I'm terrible. <laughs> but but that's I, awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm sorry. I love no, Hunt for I mean, Red October, and I think it's so cool. Why the United States Air Force has the smartest uh, men and women? I don't know, but my son's in the Air Force now, so that's cool. Well, that that's great. And uh, tell Karen, it to your voters real quick because we have a little time here. And we can have you back on the closing segment. But to your voters, why you? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, I am in this race for the service to my country and my community. I, I deeply love my country. And that's, I mean, I hate to cut it off right there, but I mean, that that's why I'm going to do this. I think I'm most qualified for the job. I think given my ag background, I grew up on a farm. I've raked the hay, uh, baled the hay. You know, I've served my country in combat. I don't. I'm cool and collected. Uh, I get things done. You know, you and I went to Afghanistan and Iraq. We got, I didn't specifically, but, you know, we as a team, mm -hmm. you know, took care of Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein. So we went there. We accomplished the mission that we did. And so I am the guy that is going to get things done, and I'm going to be accessible to my voters. I'm going to fly my plane all around the 1st Congressional District, drive around, and meet people. And they will always have access to me and uh i'm there to serve them i'm their servant not the other way around i'm not a career politician and i'm not backed by anybody i mean this is this campaign is not about money it's about heart it's about soul and when they send me to congress they're going to have more than one out of 435 votes they're gonna have a fighter uh for their cause love it um John Glenn Weaver, retired Lieutenant Colonel, United States Air Force, running for District 1. We'll have about one minute when we come back. 1,499 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1,499.3 KLIN. All right, we're finishing up here uh, with 
all the candidates. We've got John Glenn Weaver running for District 1 Congress. Um, to your voters, yeah, what, what yeah. do you say again? You know, I'm gonna give you And this thanks time. for having me on here. Yeah, if, if I had to say one last thing. So, so I'm on Twitter at RealJohnGlenn. Uh, if you get in the voting booth and you're a little bit concerned, just think about the astronaut and then just circle that one. But uh, I, I would humbly ask for people's vote. I've been working hard. I'm an authentic person. I'm a fighter. Uh, I serve my country, and I'm going to serve serve the first congressional district uh, the best that I can. And it's going to be a two-way communication street with my voters and me. It's just not me in D.C. running things. I'll be back in the district having parties, uh, having events for people. But um, I'm here to fight for conservative values, and I'm here to fight for your vote, folks, too. And whether that's now or after, I'm in this fight for the long haul. I served in Afghanistan for from the beginning of the war until the end of the war, which is two decades. So one election of six months or five months or whatever this is, is, uh, is not the end of me. And, and so I'm going to be in my, I'm retiring in Nebraska with my, with my wife, uh, Brianna and my daughter, son on the way, but, but I'm here for the long haul and, uh, just would appreciate your vote. John Glenn, uh, Weaver, Lieutenant Colonel retired United States Air Force. Thanks folks. The Warriors are stepping up, and that's a good thing for America. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it, John. Thanks. 1,499.3 KLIN.